I just like let go of the stigma that I could only say so much. And if it came out of me, I could say what I wanted when I wanted. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event, For Her, By Her, presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses' employment and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited time BOGO offers. CrashPlan has options for individuals and businesses who want reliable, secure backup services. CrashPlan works efficiently in the background while you work encrypting and sending all your new or changed files up to their secure cloud every 15 minutes. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited time BOGO offers for Strategy Hour listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject. Back up better with CrashPlan. It's been a little over 90 days since we had leadership changes and I took over as managing partner here at Boss Project. And since then, I've been deep in experimentation. I've changed our email schedule, rolled out regular workshops, and tried a ton of new tech and tools. I even loosely planned out the next 16 months worth of promotions, product releases, and exciting new projects we're pursuing. And on today's episode, I wanted to give you a look behind the scenes. A look at what's working, what's been fun, what I wouldn't bother with, and definitely what's been the most effective. Now, before I get started, I wanted to personally invite you to my latest workshop. I truly believe you're underestimating the power of what can be done organically. I scaled Boss Project from zero to half a million dollars and waited a full five years before I spent a cent on advertising. I went from laid off to running a multi-million dollar agency, and I hands down believe what I'm sharing in this workshop is what gave me a leg up. I want to help you predictively drive traffic and generate more qualified leads that turn strangers into buyers. You can get all the details and sign up for free at bossproject.com slash organic. Also, I want to make sure you're officially following me over on Instagram. There, you're going to see a ton of that experimentation happening in real time. You can observe and be a lurker if you want, or we can be friends. I would love if you would send me a DM and introduce yourself. Getting to know y'all is seriously one of my favorite part of my jobs. 
You can find me by heading to Boss Project on Instagram and tapping my personal profile in the bio at Abigail Says. Make sure you're following both accounts, and I can't wait to hear from you. When I started this business, I was deeply involved in all things marketing. And as the business grew, I took on different roles and had different responsibilities. And eventually, marketing became a very small part of what I was responsible for and eventually became just something that I was showing up to. Like I was recording the podcast and showing up to our trainings, but I wasn't necessarily intricately involved in the planning and all the things that went into the lead up. But taking that back over, there is a lot of things that I wanted to do, a lot of things that I missed, a lot of things that I was just curious on, and some that had been so long that I just didn't know what was going to work anymore. I know when I started, I talked a lot about wanting to try a bunch of things and experiment a lot. And I absolutely have done that. However, I also committed to trying to really focus initially on what I knew worked in the beginning to just try and test to see if some of that tried and true stuff that had worked years and years ago was still reliable in today's market. Spoiler alert, They all have still been effective. It just took taking some nuanced updates based on cultural shifts or how the technology has changed. Now, the two things I leaned into heavily from the get-go, right out the gate, that I know made a huge difference was really thinking about nurturing the email list I already have and pouring into the channel that has already built the most traction for our business, which is the podcast. And I wanted to pour my time and energy there first. And so a lot has gone into planning how many emails are we going to send and on what frequency and what are we putting out on the podcast and what subjects are we talking about and how do we make those compelling and Do I do more interviews? Do I do solo episodes? Do I interview our staff? Do I keep having conversations? Is this more tactical strategy or is this stories? I didn't necessarily know. So part of it has been a willingness to try a bunch of different formats and then measure. And I'll get into that a little bit more as we go along. But I will say specifically with podcasting in comparison to emails, with emails, like, you can tell within a few hours and definitely for sure within 24 hours if an email was effective or not. You're going to get very instantaneous analytics. With a podcast, in terms of the way people respond and pay attention to the things, because you're not necessarily putting it out all of the time and people's podcast feeds are significantly less clogged than their inboxes, you won't really know the traction on a new podcast for 30 days. Not that you're not going to get instant downloads. You absolutely will. But podcasts will continue to get more downloads for years into the future. And I guarantee you, no one's opening an email I wrote four years ago. That's just literally not happening. But they are absolutely listening to older content. And so 
I can't necessarily judge if something was effective until it's had some airtime, until it's been out there a while. And so it's a lot harder for me to make judgments or changes as quickly on the podcast because I have to give it more time and space. And sometimes you guess wrong as to how people are going to react. But it's been really fun to see what you guys like. And for the record, I would love for you to just tell me, like, you're welcome to DM me anytime and say, I would love more of this kind of content, or I miss this style of podcast. Please, please, please let me know, because I would definitely take your word into deep consideration. Now, that being said, I also knew that there were channels in our business that I previously had spent thousands of hours on and a ton of time and a ton of energy. And I could absolutely go try something new, but instead I wanted to think about not only what's working now, but what has worked really, really well in the past that maybe we've been neglecting and it's collecting a little bit of dust. And Instagram and blogging are definitely two of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. We've still posted on our social media for years, but we went very dark over the last 12 months and didn't post hardly anything. You know, there was the occasional thing here or there, but there was definitely no focus on growth for followers there wasn't focus on driving traffic there. And so it was something that had kind of sat dormant. Now on the blog, it had definitely been something we were still keeping up, but the volume had significantly decreased. And it isn't necessarily something I personally had been writing in a very, very long time. Now I will say just due to time constraints and everything else that's on my plate. I haven't quite picked blogging back up yet, but I have a vision for it, a pretty big vision for it. And I'm very, 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 very excited about what that's going to mean in the next 12 to 18 months. But I got to start where I'm at. And right now, producing content for three platforms is definitely feeling like enough. And I imagine for you, that would also feel like more than enough. So I'm not necessarily suggesting you should even ever think about four, but you do want to be thinking about what's going to drive traffic. What's that discovery opportunity? And then what's nurture? And ultimately, I know that email and podcast for me, are nurture platforms that help build that know, like, and trust and ultimately convert people. But blogging and Instagram historically have been discovery tools. Now, recently, I think Instagram has not necessarily done as good a job as providing that environment for organic growth. However, I have noticed that there are some changes happening where parts of the platform could be used for discovery and parts of the platform could be used for nurture. And I talk way more about that in my recent workshop. So if you missed that, for sure, you should go check it out, bossproject.com slash organic. 
talking about discovery and visibility and all of that is really, really, really important. And so I know you would benefit from that workshop. Now let's dive into emails more specifically. So I hadn't written an email for our list. Oh, I mean, maybe a year, maybe longer, honestly. And at first, I just didn't know what I was going to be writing about. I wasn't sure if I should keep it focused on like this third party, like third point of view where it's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It's boss projects perspective or team boss projects perspective. And there's a bit of an anonymous, you know what I'm saying, that it's not personally branded, right? But I just had this like inkling. I don't know if it was a good plan or a bad plan necessarily, but I just really thought it would be easier coming out of my mouth (laughs) and onto the keyboard if it were from my perspective. And it has been a lot more fluid to write as me, as a person, and literally sign my emails from me. Now, my team still helps with some aspects of email. Um, Primarily, at this point, it's more of the updates for our clients, just to make sure I don't miss anything, making sure they're up to date on the latest workshop or drop in the co-op or, you know, when the next coaching call is, that sort of stuff. They're helping with like the logistical aspects of email. And for sure, they're helping me format. They're helping me make sure things get out on time. They are tracking analytics for me, all of that stuff. But in terms of writing, I have taken over 98% of the content writing for every platform, but very, very, very specifically for email. And I have started writing for my voice. We had gotten to the point where emails were really only four times a month. Like every Sunday, there was going to be an email. And three out of four times, it was just value add and maybe teaching something kind of like a mini blog post of sorts in email form. And then there was one email like from the founder and typically that was an email that Emily was writing. And I just kind of threw that schedule out the window. We're still for sure writing emails on Sundays. And I do try to make those less tactical and more emotionally driven because I don't want you guys working on the weekends anyway. And you guys are really good about not working on the weekends. It's honestly so fantastic. You should see how slow everything gets. And I love that for us. Like no one's really opting into anything on the weekends. No one's signing up for stuff on the weekends. And I'm like, good for you guys. Like enjoy. Anyway, but I have started writing those more as like a personal connection, driving you know, on those emotions and that sort of thing. And then I wanted to pick up the frequency. I was paying attention to what other businesses were doing. And I was like, I really don't think we're going to get the kind of results that we want with such low frequency of emailing. And my team was initially very nervous about this. They're like, like, we're going to drive up unsubscribes. People are going to leave. And I was like, yeah, but if they don't want our emails, are they going to buy from us anyway? Like that just didn't really make sense to me. And I was looking at other stuff that was out there and 
in the same vein of if you're only producing one post a week on social, you're going to grow slow. The same is kind of true for email. Like if you're only putting one email out a week, like it's only going to do so much for you. And people are getting new emails all the time. And if yours isn't popping back up, like are they going to do anything with it? And I think the other thing you kind of have to get over is because there's a lot of email out there anyway, I think it's easy to think that someone would be upset if you start emailing them more frequently. If anything, we've gotten more compliments. You should see our inbox. You guys are replying and saying how helpful things have been or how you've been like very, very, very kind and very responsive. And that has been so great. And people who want to unsubscribe, okay, like that's fine by me. And like if you're looking at big box retailers and stuff, Target and Old Navy and stuff, like they're emailing three, four, five, sometimes seven times a week, sometimes more during some of these big pushes, you know? And so I just like let go of the stigma that I could only say so much. And if it came out of me, I could say what I wanted when I wanted. And so on like an evergreen basis, it's three emails a week. But when I'm in a promotion, it's nearly every day. Now, not every, every day. I don't think we've sent an email on a Friday or Saturday unless we were like sending to people who didn't open an email earlier that week, but like not necessarily new content is coming out on a Friday or Saturday because I just want you to enjoy your weekend. And like I said, the Sunday ones tend to be more personal or emotional and not the strategy, tactical stuff. But the two that have been additions and so worth our time have been the emails directly about the content we were producing on other channels. And so now we email on Tuesday and Thursday when our podcasts drop. And that has increased listenership significantly and also just helped like the people that do want to listen more frequently but are not necessarily great about staying up on it, it's just a really solid reminder. And I've started adding things to the way I plan the podcast to make it easier to write those emails. And a lot of times there's a lot of crossover in my intro becoming a good chunk of the email. So that saves me a ton of time And I'm not necessarily having to do 75 things to get that out there. It's I write the intro. The guts of it aren't necessarily as scripted. And the intro becomes most of that email. And that's been going out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now, social is probably where I've done the most new things. Like emails, it was just increasing frequency, but not necessarily trying new strategy versus social, I was looking to try different formats, different types of posts, and just see what would would happen. And I mentioned on a previous episode that I did dip my toe into bots. And I will just reiterate, and because people are talking about them a lot, and 
I do think they can work. So this is not me dogging their ability to work or their ability to even drive revenue. That being said, I think in terms of amount of effort for reward, it is the most time intensive for the least reward, even at our scale. And so if you have a page that has less than 10,000 followers, I think you're likely going to get your most engaged people to still click on a link or go to your link in bio as much as you are to get them to comment and move through a funnel. I do think if you have a ton of followers that bots can capture more people because you're going to have more of a spectrum of like some people that are highly engaged and some that are just like lukewarm and you're going to capture more of those lukewarm people. But when your audience is smaller on a social platform or your engagement is lower, your most engaged people are going to do what you ask them to do. And so just my opinion, but like I'm trying not to beat myself up about spending a ton of time and energy here because it is so much work. And so in terms of where I plan to do more of this in the future, I want to do it more for things that are going to live for a really long time rather than things that are going to switch up all the time. So my original plan was to have a bot for every podcast and then I would have it send a link. I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, I can. I've set up all the tech. It's going to be really easy to duplicate. And maybe I will when I'm more in a rhythm on other areas of the business. But I don't know. It was a lot of work. (laughs) So, but I'm still like hyped up on what they could do. I just don't know if I'm in the season for it right now. Now, I have said in the past (laughs) that I have been very resistant to creating video content which is honestly kind of funny because I am on video frequently. Like technically speaking, as I'm recording this podcast, it's still recording the video for me. We just don't typically do anything with the video. And that did get me thinking because I'm on video for coaching. I'm on video for these podcasts that you just don't see the video for. And I was looking around and I was like, how are people producing like all of these clips? I know you've seen them. A lot of the big, more like, I don't know what else to call it, influencery podcasts, like that are done by like either TikTok stars or celebrities or things. You're seeing not just YouTube podcast videos where it's like the whole podcast. I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about the short form video clips that are coming out on both Reels and TikTok. I feel like they went zero to 60 overnight. And I was like, who has time for this? Like that has got to be so much work. And I was genuinely confused. But let me tell you what I discovered because I didn't know. I didn't know. So I do think the people that started this trend were paying full-time staff to cull through potentially hours of footage to find the best clips to post on social. That being said, 
I think that effort spurred some of these bigger names to pour time and energy into figuring out how to do it for cheaper. And now these tools are becoming available to anyone and everyone. And I discovered in a very short time and space, I guess you just got to know what you're looking for, that there is a whole plethora of options to choose from on the AI front that will help do this for you. So all the tools work relatively the same. You essentially upload a video, an MP4 uh, .move file, or you put in like a YouTube link. And it will scrub the video and find the clips that it feels will perform the best as short clips. Now, some of them will actually give it a viral score. Others are just kind of chopping up a clip that makes sense. And then some are actually taking a small clip from one area and another clip from a different area and clipping it together. It all just kind of depends on which tool you're looking at. But I tried and tested three of these AI tools to just see for myself but I'm sure you guys are curious. And so I thought I would share. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features. So together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The first one I tested was Zencaster Clips. One, because I already record all of our podcasts in Zencaster. And if you want to try Zencaster, you can. You can go to bossproject.com slash Zencaster. It's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. I have tried a lot of podcast recording options. And this one has been the most reliable for both myself and having guests on. And I have been interviewed on other platforms that are just not reliable. And it makes for a very awkward interview experience if your tech is failing. Zencaster has been super reliable. All of that to say, they have tried to roll out additional features to make it more sticky for you to stay. And I will say most of them have given me things that have been left to be desired. Like they rolled out a version of video for social probably a year and a half ago. I don't know if they ditched it, trashed it, what, but they definitely let it glow or didn't promote it anymore. Or it's more hidden. Could be any of those things. And they started promoting Zencaster clips, which I only even realized was a thing when I started looking around for these AI tools. And I wanted to test it because it was already built into the thing I was already using. I did have to like upgrade my current plan to a trial of this larger plan to test it. Don't worry about it. You don't need to. You can just get the cheapest plan. I still use the cheapest plan on Zencaster. Shh, don't tell anybody. It's not worth it. The clips is okay. It's okay. Like, I think if I were posting them as square videos on Facebook, maybe, but like, that's not what's working anyway. All of the ones that I feel are performing are formatted for Reels or TikTok. And Square video is going out the window. Like you can't even post. I just learned this recently, but you can't even post a square video on Instagram anymore at all. I mean, you can, but it's going to just add black on the top and bottom and make it formatted like the story format, the 16 by 9 or 9 by 16. You know what I'm saying? The tall format anyway. So I just like wasn't impressed. Now, I also looked at two other tools. I looked at Munch and Opus, which 
for the record, I've called Opus, Orpheus, <laughs> Ophelia. I cannot for the life of me ever remember what this thing is called, but I did write it down so I would get it right for you guys. Opus, O-P-U-S. I don't have an affiliate for it. I also don't have an affiliate for Munch. However, I did compare the two. I did see Gary V was hyping up Munch. He may have even built the tool. I'm unsure. But Munch is like a lot more expensive than Opus, like a lot more, maybe four times more. And Opus had a free trial. So I was like, free trial. I'm all for that. So I tried Opus. And in comparison to Zencaster Clips, like night and day, you guys, night and day, so easy to use. Now, the one thing that did surprise me with all of the AI options out there is like it's not instant, which I think we're just so used to everything being instant these days in every aspect of our lives. But I literally felt like I was like back in high school waiting for like something on AOL to load. Like I was like, wow, this is slow. But basically what's happening is there's a queue time potentially So if there's a bunch of users on the site all at the same time, it will put you in queue. And then it has to take time to process your video, which literally it's between like 10 and 30 minutes. Like it's not, when I say it's slow, like, I mean, like you want to walk away. That being said, they have built in, basically you can load it. And then it's meant for you to actually close it and walk away. So you don't have to like keep the screen open. You don't have to keep your computer on. Like it will take like 30 seconds to maybe upload. And then the processing time is the part you have to wait for. But it'll email you when it's done. And it is going to save it so you can come back to it later. But there's going to be moments where it's going to take time to process. So bear in mind that this is not going to be something that you can just like spit out a hundred clips in a couple hours. Like, I mean, it's still going to take time. That said, a thousand X faster than you trying to attempt to find what's the sexiest thing you said in a 45 minute video for sure. So I think it still has a way to go, but I liked the most that opus was giving it like a virality score and like telling you what thought would perform the best to like a cold market basically and i would say most of the clips are usable i definitely was like eh i don't even really like a handful of everyone but i mean if you got a 45 minute video and you got two or three clips that were really, really, really good. Like that's three video clips to promote one video. Like, I mean, that's pretty decent. Now, granted, if if you're good about inserting multiple hooks throughout your thing, then maybe you could get more out of it. But regardless, I was really happy with it. There's options for you to have it just be the video with the words on the screen. And there's different fonts you can choose from. You can change the colors. You can change like shadows and things. It's not as like in depth in terms of fonts or formatting as like a Canva would be. But until Canva inserts some sort of 
way to analyze video, this is still faster than you adding the word because you can make videos on Canva. But trust me, this is still faster. You can add like a little logo or technically like any static graphic you want to the thing. Now, I will tell you, spoiler alert, that because a lot of these videos were never meant to be seen. I just had them recorded because I was recording the audio anyway. I did try a option where I stuck a graphic that I did make in Canva on top of the video. So it's over the video, but under the words. So the words are still changing, but the background is not me in my pajamas with my hair unbrushed. And I've been decently surprised. Those videos, even though I wasn't a talking head in them, several of them got thousands of views. And over half of those views were to people that weren't following me. So, I mean, for never having tried the tool to this being one of the first few things I tested, very, very decently surprised with the results there. I do get the vibe that Opus and Munch are very similar, but Munch didn't have a free trial. And like I said, the long-term cost was significantly more. With Opus, you have a monthly fee that unlocks like so many minutes of like vid. It's not how many video clips you make. It's how much video footage it analyzes. So if you're having it analyze 44 minutes, you're using 44 minutes of whatever plan you're on. But I do get the impression that those stack. So like if you don't use all of your minutes, it rolls over. I don't know for how long and I don't know how long that'll stick. But that seemed like a really decent option. And I still I've only used the free trial. I haven't paid a cent for it yet. And I've already gotten results from it. So again, very pleased with that. I'm also not like rushing to pay for any of these tools because I still don't know how good I'm going to be about follow through on continuing to try it or if I'm going to just keep trying new things. We'll see. But if you're interested in how people are putting out so many talking head clips, for sure, that's what I would check out. And I definitely think it'll help me take advantage of video that's already happening. And I think that has really helped my mindset around creating the short form stuff because so much of it was like, I'm already talking for potentially six to seven hours a week. Like, I don't think you guys understand between coaching calls and prospect calls and the podcast, like I am on video and talking for 20 to 30% of my work week every week. And I love it. But like the idea of doing more to get video clips for a TikTok or a podcast, like that just felt like overkill. So I wasn't into it. Anyway, all of that to say, the other thing I tried in terms of short form video, which has been really interesting because Instagram has done a way with posts as videos and now all videos are reels like say that five times fast slash let that process that took me a minute to process 
it is interesting how the like culture of video and what will perform on Instagram, like I know without a shadow of a doubt would not perform at all on TikTok. So one thing that is working on Instagram is graphics as reels. So we've tried a handful of memes literally with no audio on and have gotten over 4,000 impressions on them, which is freaking awesome. So I am definitely leaning into how can the things that I would have done for my feed anyway, how can I use them to leverage it for more discoverability? And I do think I will do a lot more graphics as reels to test that strategy out. I'm still trying to figure out what feels like a normal part of the app and will perform. But I just it's so interesting. Like I think more than ever, like TikTok, I feel like there's kind of like this set of rules that no one talks about but applies and you know, 90% of the people follow the rules and they're the ones getting results. Versus on Instagram, I feel like anything goes right now and you can try anything and some things are working for some people, different things are working for different people. Part of it depends on who your audience is. Like I saw this lawyer, I think it was a lawyer. I'm almost positive it was a lawyer. The other day, uh, someone tagged her from VidCon. I'd never heard of her before, but she has a huge following on Instagram And I clicked on her profile. It's literally her face, like for a thousand posts, like, and they're all reels. A hundred percent of them are reels. It's just her, 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 her. Very similar. You can tell 10, 20, 30 of them are all recorded on the same day. I don't know if she's posting them all the same day, but they're all talking head. A hundred percent. They're all talking head. There's no editing at all. She's just recording in the same place in her home because like her office is the background and she's getting hundreds of thousands of views. Wild, wild. And she's talking about like celebrity court cases and stuff. So like it is more consumer culture. Like it's not necessarily that she's driving buyers that way. I'm sure she's instead getting paid for impressions for some of the other things she's doing. I think YouTube may be her primary source of income, I'm unsure. But it's just interesting to me that like a reel that is literally just a meme with no audio could also perform next to a video that's just someone talking in their office, which could perform next to something that is more like kind of the old school curated Instagram stuff where it's like, very professionally shot or whatever compared to like someone's kid. Like, I don't know. It's just, it feels like the wild west all over again on Instagram right now, but what a time to experiment and try to figure out what's working for you. Now, my marketing schedule, part of what I know is essential for me to thrive as I continue to try new things and experiment with new things, is I know I thrive on cyclical systems. Not that I need like a super prescriptive 
even like platform or organizational tool. I literally mean my calendar. Like I want a predictable schedule. Like I want to know I'm recording podcasts on X day or doing coaching calls on X day or, you know, I want to know where I need to be, when I need to be, how I need to show up. Do I need a shower? (laughs) All of those things. And as I was taking over marketing, you know, I was used to my cycle being on a work week where like I knew where I had to be every day of the week and I knew what kind of content I was producing or work I was doing based on my role in the business. But being in marketing, those cycles get a lot further apart. And so I may be in a promotion that's a three-week promotion. And then I may be in seasons that are evergreen and like, how do I show up that's different? And so I have figured out a three-week promo cycle that I can move through for workshops that feels really repeatable for me. And I can do that followed by a four to six weeks of sustainable evergreen promotion. Like I know if I was in that three-week promo cycle, I would be exhausted. (laughs) But I can do it for three weeks and then take four to six weeks on Evergreen Easy. And that is feeling really good to have something that I am moving through on a regular basis. I still haven't totally figured out or shaken out what days of the week I'm focused on what yet. I'm probably going to change my personal schedule yet again. (laughs) Like I've been trying instead of having my mornings be the creative time and then take meetings in the afternoon. I'm actually really, really, really preferring having my meetings in the morning and then having all of my creative space be for the rest of the day, knowing that like I can shut up shop and just be done when I want to be done. Or like if I'm in the flow that I'm not going to like run into a meeting And I think, honestly, it really comes down to the fact that I am neurodivergent enough that like, you know how when you have the one thing to do that your entire day revolves around the one thing you have to do? Like if you have to go for me, like if I have to go to the grocery store, it's the grocery store day of the week. I'm not sure you guys realize, but like I can't emotionally or physically plan anything else on my calendar on the day I go to the grocery store. Unless my husband springs it on me. If he's like, you can go in the next like hour. I'm like, okay. But like if I plan on going to the grocery store, I will plan literally nothing else for that day. (laughs) Call me crazy. But I'm the like work backwards queen where I'm like, okay, if I have to be here by two, then I need to eat lunch by this. And then I need to like shower by this time and get ready by this time. Anyway, doing that with work, it has really stressed me out if I'm trying to be creative and like be in flow and like produce things and have a set thing on my calendar. So having the set thing first, so it's just like done and out of my way, then I'm like, ooh, look at all the things I could do. It's feeling so freeing for me. Call me crazy, but I'm loving it. Now, we're only a few months into this sort of flow back and forth between a live promotion followed by Evergreen, but 
two things that I have been really paying attention to and I think are super interesting is one, I've been trying to be super focused on only having one primary call to action for at least a 30-day minimum period. So like if I'm trying to get someone to watch a workshop, that's what I'm talking about. If I'm trying to get someone to sign up for something or do something like that is the call to action. I may have like minor calls to action that are like, follow me here, sign up for this. But like I'm repeating the same call to action in all of the places on all of the platforms for at least a month solid. And I was thinking it was going to feel like overkill. I have been shocked how much it has mattered even three weeks into it, where I'm like, I have said this a thousand times. I can't imagine that someone hasn't heard this yet. And then people still do the thing three weeks in, a month in. I'm like, dang, do I just have one call to action forever? I don't know. I'm feeling good about shaking it up every 30 days so that it doesn't start to feel stale. But having that really consistent piece has made a really big difference. Now, the super fascinating thing is now we've only had one cycle of this, so I genuinely don't know how it's going to shake out long term, but I did a live promotion where I sold only to the people that signed up for the thing. And then following that on Evergreen, I just promoted the workshop and talked about the paid thing for like a four to six week period. and. I got the same results live as I did in the evergreen promotion in the same time period. So I don't know if live is even technically necessary, but I feel like it is helping create more of a sense of urgency. I don't know. I genuinely don't really have a good way of knowing that. I would be super interested to see if I were to take the evergreen thing and then pour ad dollars on it, what would happen? But that's not the current plan. I just don't want to try and test one more thing, let alone spend money to try and test one more thing right now. But I am curious because it has been really effective to have this like very targeted thing that I'm sending people towards. Now, there's been a lot happening, a lot behind the scenes, a lot I've tried, a lot of different apps I've tried. Everything from that bot on mini chat to the short form video apps to, oh, I didn't even mention and had planned to. I have also been trying to figure out how I want to organize my desktop. I was using an app called Shift. And then I transitioned to Apple came out with, is it Workspaces? Mm, Stage Manager. Stage Manager which I thought would be similar. And it kind of is because, you know, it's putting your apps on the right and like leaving what's open kind of like docked. But I'm missing notifications that I was getting when I was on shift. And I tried to go back to shift. And then I hated it the second time. So I haven't figured out my new workflow yet. In terms of staying focused, Stage Manager is helping me stay very focused because the thing I'm doing becomes the thing I'm doing. But it's not necessarily helping me stay in contact with my team the way I want to be. So I'm still shaking that up. 
if you guys have a app that you like that keeps all of your work apps together, I would love to hear about it. Shift did keep email, calendar, Google Docs, Asana, all that stuff in one place. I tried a couple of the competitors out there. All of the other ones that I have tried so far sucked in comparison to Shift. So I very well may end up going back to that. But I don't know. I'm not convinced one way or the other. There is definitely some very annoying aspects of the way stage manager works <laughs> that I haven't quite figured out. And it may literally just be user error. I may not know the better way, but it may also just be that I am the tab queen. I have way too many things open at all times. So we'll see. But more on that later. This was a little all over the place, but I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit more about the behind the scenes. If you have any questions on where I'm spending my time or energy or apps I'm using or strategies I would or wouldn't try, definitely feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm always here to help with that. That being said, I do want to share more of what I believe is the foundational aspects of organic marketing. While I know the way in which I presented today was a bit all over the place, I did pour a lot of time and energy into making something that I feel like is both concise but in-depth. So even if you've been at this a long time, I know you're going to walk away with new information that is going to help propel your business forward and allow you to be thinking about things that aren't just working now or aren't just a trend, but things that are going to help carry your business for the long term. There are things I put in place six, seven, and even eight years ago that are still providing traffic to what I do on a daily basis. I know a lot of people talk about passive income strategies. I'm talking about active and passive marketing strategies and specifically how you do that with low or no budget at all. So if you're interested in hearing both the basics and some super strategic things for more advanced marketing, I definitely recommend you check out my latest workshop at bossproject.com slash organic. Now, if you're interested in fast tracking some of not just your marketing, but the way in which you're operating your business behind the scenes, I am sharing all of my best strategies and tools and templates and all of the things that are making not only my business work, but the tens of thousands of clients that I've served over the last eight years inside my membership, the co-op. I recently chatted more about what is involved in the co-op in my marketing training that I just mentioned, but I wanted to personally invite you to be a part of this. Inside the co-op, I want to see you thriving. My personal mission in life and in business is to help more small business owners become financially free. I have built a business that has carried me through some of the craziest times in my life and has been there to support me when I didn't even feel like I could show up. I know that what I am talking about is going to change lives. And I know it because it not only worked for me, but it has helped tens of thousands of my students. 
I want to see you be successful. And I wanted to create an accessible opportunity for you to do this in community with other people. You can get started with a co-op for as little as $47 a month. And there is no gimmicks. There is no catch. You can cancel any time. And I want you to be a part of this. So you can go to bossproject.com slash organic. And after a short opt-in, you'll be able to not only catch that workshop I mentioned, but you'll hear more about what's involved in the co-op and how you can become a part of it. If marketing is something you are thinking about, this is going to save you so much time. Everything I'm trying and testing, we're taking the best of the best and putting it inside the co-op so you can implement what's working right now in real time. So go to bossproject.com slash organic for more details, and I can't wait to see you inside.